We're reading from Haggai 2, uh, verses 20 to 23. Zerubbabel, the Lord's signet ring. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. May the Lord open our eyes and our hearts spiritually that we may understand his word. Please be seated. Before we get started, I would like everyone to stand up, please. And would you just greet your neighbors? Well, it has been a very full, very rich morning this morning, and uh, I hope that you have been encouraged as much as I have this morning, which, uh, yeah, God is just, I really feel like has been honored this morning, which is, which is my heart for our Sunday morning services. Um, before we get too far down the road here, if you could just take your communication cards and just pass those to the middle, uh, we'll get, I think Mark's going to come and collect those from you, and uh, just would appreciate your participation in that. Well, as he's collecting those, uh, I want to just mention to everyone that we are concluding our series this month on the book of Haggai, and, and I... I want to remind us that for those of you that missed it the last couple of weeks, that, that we've been asking this question, what happens when God calls us into tough stuff? And we considered that as, as we walk in obedience to the tough stuff, that God, that, that God provides his providence and his presence in our lives. And this morning, I think Haggai begins to reveal to us that as we walk through the tough stuff as well, that we experience his power. And so for those of you that missed it, I'm going to briefly, I'd just like to briefly recap uh, some, of the, some of the things that, that kind of make up the book of Haggai. For those of you that have missed it, um, you can also find our, our, my messages on Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes as well, so if you want to catch up that way. But um, just, just as a brief recap, first of all, um, was overthrown by the Babylonians. And, and as a result, the people of Judah who lived in the southern kingdom of Israel, they were exiled for about 70 years. During the overthrow from the Babylonians, the, the temple that Solomon had built was destroyed by them. Eventually, after a period of time, after the, during the exile, uh, the Persian army came in, they invaded Babylon, the Babylonian empire ended, 
and the people of Judah were now allowed to return back to Judah. Initially, when they first returned, the people of Judah began to rebuild the temple. However, they didn't finish it. It remained unfinished for almost two decades. After about 18 years, which is kind of where, which is where the book of Haggai begins, after 18 years of, of, of this, this, the, the temple laying unfinished, the prophet Haggai begins to receive this prophetic message from God, instructing the people to rebuild the temple. Within that, within that direction, God begins to make a promise to the Jews that he would reestablish his covenant with his people if they finished rebuilding the temple. As the people obeyed and began to rebuild the temple, we see God's presence return and his provision for the kingdom of Judah return as well. And it's through that provision that we begin to see this underlying message in this book, is that God's lordship will return to Israel and that God's glory and authority would once again reign in Israel. Where at the beginning of this book of Haggai, it almost seems to start with this really harsh criticism from God to the Jews regarding their own selfish priorities. But at the, at the end of the book, the passage that was just read for us, there, it, it, almost, it, it, it concludes with the fulfillment of God's promise to the people as they begin to walk through the tough stuff in obedience with God. And as we begin to end, where we begin to, where what we need to see in this book of Haggai is a series of messages that take place over a four-month period. And these last three verses that were read for us this morning is where I want to conclude our series this morning, where we see God revealing his plan to the Jews in verses 21 and 22. And so I'll read it again for us so, make sure, so we make sure we hear what's, what's happening. It says, Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shadow the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. Now, as you might be able to imagine, for a nation that had been oppressed and had been uh, under, the, under the power and authority of different kingdoms for, the, for almost a century, this particular message was music to their ears. This would have been thrilling for them. God was finally fulfilling his promise to restore his people to Judah, and it was going to result in the, the destruction of the Persians and the Babylonians. Now, in that particular moment, the people at that time, they would have understood this teaching as a promise that God was going to destroy those nations who oppressed the kingdom of Judah, where their national identity was restored and God's presence would return to the, would return to the temple. Now, as we read this passage, the, the one, the, one of the words that stands out that I want to highlight here is that word shake in verse 21. Now, the word shake is actually used earlier in chapter 2 in verse 7, so it's referenced twice. Now, the Hebrew word here is the word ra'ash, which is this idea of an earthquake. Now, in this particular context, this isn't necessarily meant specifically as an actual earthquake. But if you've ever been in an earthquake in that, in, a, in that moment, you know that anything that isn't firmly rooted, anything that isn't connected to something will eventually shake off of a table, off of a shelf. Eventually it will fall. I remember as, as a boy uh, going to visit my grandma. She lived in Penticton at the time, and I was five or six years old. And, and every morning I would wake up and I would rush outside in my pajamas, and, and she had a peach tree in her front yard. And I would go to the peach tree and, and I would try to shake that tree as hard as I could because I knew that if I, if I was able to even get a little bit of movement from the tree, 
that the ripened peaches would start to fall. I think that's the idea that we're, that we're seeing in this passage, where God is going to shake the heavens and the earth, and anything that isn't firmly rooted and established with God will fall away like peaches on a tree. We see this, this, this idea of shaking revisited in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, where it says, once again, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Through this shaking, the ra'ash of God, we begin to see that the nations that oppressed God would be overthrown. And this word overthrown is used two different times in this passage. The idea of overthrown is, is, actually, is, is, is actually the same word that's used in Genesis 19, which is in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, in the Hebrew, that word means, trans, it means transformed. Overthrown equals transformed in this particular context. I.e., it's going to be entirely destroyed. That's a pretty significant transformation. What it's indicating here is that the Gentile kingdoms would be eventually replaced with God's kingdom. And the idea in these verses, though, is that God is beginning to contrast two different priorities that all of us face. That we're all going to be shaken at some point. The question is whether we are rooted and established in Christ or whether we will let go of Christ like a ripe peach, let's go of a tree. And now the evidence in Haggai here seems to suggest that the people were desiring to be rooted in God. The evidence also seems to suggest that God's plans went beyond this moment in history where we begin to see that there's a deeper narrative at work beyond the temple being rebuilt in Jerusalem. You see, throughout this book of Haggai, there's, this, there's an important messianic narrative threaded throughout this book that I, we're gonna, I want to highlight. Where we, where we begin to see that the temple being rebuilt was, was a portion of the larger plan that God was unfolding in the history of his people. That eventually, God would send a Messiah to fulfill the old covenant that the Jews in the book of Haggai were reestablishing the message within the book of Haggai begins to reconnect the old covenant but point us towards the new covenant as well. And this passage from Haggai seems, seems, to suggest, seems to suggest that when the coming Messiah arrives, that he will be this conquering hero, that he will carry military and political power, that he will drive out the, the offending nations. But as we know through Jesus... The Messiah comes to transform lives and proclaim a new kingdom that had nothing to do with military and politics, but had everything to do with eternity and people. Where we begin to discover that real power doesn't come from intimidation and might like we might sometimes think it does, but instead we see through Jesus that real power comes through love and humility and sacrifice where power becomes this declaration and expression of God's lordship over all things. I want to say that again. God's power is a declaration and expression of his lordship over all things. Now, as, as I prepare, usually when I prepare messages, I, uh, I usually, part of my preparation is, involves 
reading through the passage and, and reflecting on it and processing it and, and praying through it. And, and then I'll use commentaries and, and usually to supplement some of my, my thinking is I will, I'll read other, read other people's read books or I will uh, watch sermons online and just because sometimes I find that people are much more articulate than me and, uh, and they're smarter too. Um, and so as I was beginning to, as I was processing and preparing this message, uh, I, I just did a quick search on, in YouTube, and I just typed in God's power. And I was shocked at how little content there was. And the only thing that I could seem to find was prosperity preachers who were hyper-charismatic, who were only concerned about their own personal fame, their own personal glory, and their own personal bank accounts. i got to say, I'm not entirely sure why God's power is one of those subjects that either we don't really talk about or when we do, we just take it to such extremes that we miss out on the purpose of God's, God's power in our lives. And so my hope this morning is that this, this time this morning is a conversation where we can consider that God's power is available to all of us. That as we obediently walk with Jesus through the tough stuff, that, we, that my hope is that as we do that, that we can begin this morning to have a biblically grounded, theologically accurate understanding of God's power in our lives. God's power is a declaration and expression of God's lordship over all things. It's God's power that allows him to create, sustain, and orchestrate all of the universe simultaneously as he governs our lives rooted in love. Say that again. God's power allows him to create, sustain, and orchestrate all of the universe simultaneously as he governs our lives rooted in love. And we see examples of this throughout the Bible. We see Genesis chapter 1 where we see the creation account. We see Exodus 14 where the Israelites walk through the Red Sea. We see Daniel 6, Daniel in the lion's den. We see Matthew 14, Jesus feeding the 5,000. We see Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas are in, the, in prison and the earthquake happens and they're released from jail. And the list can go on and on and on. Where the Bible becomes this incredible record of God moving in unbelievable ways throughout history. We call those miracles. The greatest miracle, of course, recorded is Matthew 28, where the resurrection of Jesus occurs. And it's in this resurrection of Jesus that we begin to see the fullness of God's power at work, where God's power becomes a declaration and expression of his lordship over all things, including sin and death. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55 to 57, O oh death, where is your victory? O oh death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this verse begins to remind us that nothing, nothing can overcome the power of God. Where although we recognize and acknowledge that, that sin and death have power, but God has more. Where there is power in, as we go through the tough stuff, but God has more. When we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, the power of God is present and we can overcome. 
Jesus has authority over all things, including the tough stuff we experience in our lives. Which means that Jesus has victory over all things, which includes your finances. It includes your marriage. It includes your health. It includes your job. It includes your sin. Jesus has victory over all of those things. So when we walk through the tough stuff Jesus calls us into, I believe he gives us the power we need to walk through it because he is Lord over it already. And so as we choose to walk through the tough stuff with Jesus, our perspective shifts from from where we stop thinking about ourselves and the tough stuff that's going on in our lives, and we begin to identify that if God has really called us into the tough stuff, then he's the Lord over our circumstances as well. Now I want to be clear here, that even though Jesus is Lord over our circumstances, is that we don't always get what we want. Sometimes it does. But what it does mean is that as we submit ourselves to the lordship of Christ over our circumstances, that he begins to help us to keep our eyes on him. Here's why this is important. See, at the root of God's power is an acknowledgement and acceptance that you and I are not as powerful as we think we are. I was, I was thinking about you know, uh, an illustration that would capture this point. I, if you've ever crossed a river or been in a river, you understand the concept of the current pushing against you, and you know that when you fight against the current, it just becomes more and more difficult to try and cross. When we begin to acknowledge that, like the Israelites did in Haggai, that maybe we aren't as powerful as we thought we were, then we begin to allow for the God's current to move in our lives. We begin to make space for God to move in our lives. We begin to stop fighting what God is trying to do, and we begin to move with what he wants to do in us. And it wasn't until the Israelites began to say, you know what, maybe it's not working so well for me. And they began to submit themselves to the authority and lordship of God that they could walk through the tough stuff that he had called them into. You see, it's in, our, it's in yours and my vulnerability that we begin to make space for God to move in our lives. It's when we can begin to accept our own frailty that we discover the power of Christ alive and at work in us. As we walk through the tough stuff and declare his lordship over it, we see the power of his presence and providence in our lives. As we walk through the tough stuff and declare his lordship over it, declare his lordship over it, that we begin to see the power of his presence and providence in our lives. When we acknowledge that, that we are weak, which is not an easy thing, what we do is we begin to create enough margin for us to be able to see that God is powerful. We begin to say, you know what, it's, it's, not, it's probably going to be easier for me to walk down, walk with the current than walk against it. When we can accept that in defeat, he is victorious. When we see our, in the midst of our discouragement, he lifts us up. It means that whatever the tough stuff is that distracts, discourages, defeats us, that the power of Christ can prevail over that too. I wonder if someone would be willing to volunteer for me this next point that I'd like to make. Would anyone be willing to help me out here? Fake? Come on up here, please. 
Mary Lou didn't volunteer because she ruined my last illustration, so. <laughs> Faye, I have a ping pong ball. I have three funnels here. This isn't a trick, okay? This ball represents the power of God in your life, okay? The funnel represents you. You can pick a funnel, whichever one you prefer. We can assess whether she, picks, she thinks highly of herself or not based on that choice, but uh, so you can pick that one, okay? What we're going to do is we're going to place the power of God inside of you, okay? You are going to provide the tough stuff in our lives. What I would like you to do is take the funnel, tip it back like this, and I want you to blow as hard as you can, okay? What, before you do that, <clears throat> remembering that this is tough stuff, so the difficult things going on in our lives, you can't just give us a little puff, okay? I want you to blow as hard as you can and try to, try to blow, that, blow that ball out of the funnel, okay? So tip it back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't cover it with, you've got to make sure that the ball has some space to, there you go, like that. No, you can put your lips on it. Don't be afraid of that. I, it's clean. It's clean. I got lipstick on That's okay. <laughs> okay, you've got to blow a little bit. This is tough stuff, eh? Okay, well, maybe, maybe it would help to, if you thought a little bit more of yourself. Maybe try, try this instead. Okay, try that one. Huh. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe if you thought a little bit more of yourself. Maybe a little bit more, okay? I mean, it's tough stuff, right? So try that one. Huh. Okay, thanks, Faye. You did. Here's the thing. If this ball represents the tough stuff, or represents the power of God in your life, and regardless of what you think of yourself, if you think of yourself as small or pretty big or maybe even somewhere in the middle, it doesn't matter how hard the tough stuff is in your life blows. It might shake a little bit. It might make some noise in your life. But it will not remove the power of God in your life. So, Faye, you didn't ruin my illustration. You did exactly what you're supposed to. The power of Christ prevails over the tough stuff. And it doesn't matter what you think of yourself because the power of Christ prevails. You see, when we choose to root ourselves in God and turn our perspective from being afraid of the tough stuff, because so often what happens is we think this tough thing is, is far greater than the power of God. Surely it will eventually blow out. Surely eventually it will happen. And we become so concerned and so wrapped up in this tough stuff that we forget that the power of God is inside of us. And we need to remind ourselves that the power of God is what gives us authority and strength in our lives. Where we choose to root ourselves in God and turn our perspective from being afraid of the tough stuff. And we begin to recalibrate ourselves on the authority and strength that comes with God's power in our lives. As we experience God's power in our lives, we experience God's As we experience God's power in our lives, we experience God working out things that are under his control and authority. 
And it's in his power that we acknowledge that God has the ability to do anything that fits within his character and his love for a creation. And so he's, he calls us, you and I, into the tough stuff. His power reminds us that whatever happens in our lives is not devoid of his love for us because his power, his providence, and his presence become expressions of his will and he is faithful in the midst of it, just like the people of Judah experienced as well. When we begin to identify Christ's lordship over our circumstances, when we recognize that the things that, the, the things that blow into our lives, that Christ is Lord over all of those things, we simultaneously identify his power over those, over those circumstances, where we acknowledge our own weakness, and we begin to see God's power revealed. And we see, we, see, we see the evidence of this throughout Scripture where His power and authority are given to you and I. Where it's in the weakness of His creation, you and I, that God's power is revealed. Where it's in the tough stuff that God's glory is revealed when we choose to admit that we can't get it through it without Him. And we see this transfer of power beginning to take place in Matthew 28. After the resurrection, it says, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what we see in this passage is a continuation where people experience God's presence and provision in their lives so that God's power and glory are revealed in the same way that we see it in the book of Haggai. And just like we read in Haggai 2, where Haggai's message concludes with this verse, I take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you. And it seems like a really obscure passage for us to conclude this series on. But here's the point. The signet ring that's being referenced here, is a reference to kingdom authority, where the ring that would often be worn carried a symbol representing a kingdom that you belonged to. It was the kingdom that you aligned yourself with. And when we see this idea, this concept of a signet ring combined with the word servant, it represents an affirmation of Zerubbabel that God is beginning to, he's going to reestablish the messianic line to the family of King David. So here's why this is important. That in spite of the exile, in spite of the tough stuff, that God's presence and his power hasn't been blown away. And it reminds us that although we may go through tough stuff, although when we go through tough stuff, God has an eternal purpose that is beyond us and our circumstances. And although Haggai is a message of God's people rebuilding the, rebuilding the temple, it's actually an acknowledgement of God's desiring to be Lord over our lives. And I think that same desire exists today. That as you and I walk through the tough stuff, God is inviting us to experience his presence, his provision, and his power. That God desires to be Lord over our lives. He desires to transfer that authority of his power over to us so we can glorify him.
So this morning, I want to conclude with three ways that we, can, that we might experience his power and declare his lordship over our lives today. One, discover Jesus through his word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word speaks to us. It changes us. It transforms us. Two, declare Jesus as having lordship over your life. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 and 7 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So we have discovered Jesus through his word, declared Jesus as having lordship over our lives. Third, deny the authority and influence of this world. 1 John 4, 4 says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Deny the authority and influence of this world. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. As they're coming up, though, I'd like just to consider this. That maybe for some of you this morning you are feeling like you've been going through tough stuff in your life. And you're tired of going through it alone. And you feel like one of these, one of these funnels, but without the presence of God in your life. Maybe you've been discouraged, you've been distracted, you've felt defeated, and it just seems like there isn't a lot of hope left. And maybe today is the day to begin to recognize that living in your own power and wisdom will only take you so far. You're, you're trying to cross the river, but that, that current is just, you're just fighting against that current so much. Maybe today you're beginning to rec- realize that you, you actually want to walk with God's power. You want to walk in that current. You want to walk in that authority in your life. That you want to declare him Lord over your life because there's stuff going on in your life that you just need help with. That you that you need the power of God in your life. God doesn't promise to take it away. He does promise that you'll have his power and authority at work inside of you as you go through it, though. Romans 10, Paul writes, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So maybe for some of you this morning, you came and you just thought, you know, I'm just coming to church. Or someone dragged me to church. But you also recognize that you're living a life that, where Jesus isn't Lord of your life. And you're sensing that this might be the time to surrender, just to say, I can't do it anymore. I'm gonna, I gotta go, go with the current of, of, of God. I've been fighting so hard upstream. I'm going to lead us in a prayer this morning, and you can repeat after me. There's nothing magical or, or, or anything that's, that's with the words. As the, as the words, word of God says in Romans 10, if you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart, that's all it requires. Sometimes, though, it's helpful to have to know exactly what, what do I say. So this morning, is, I mean, I'll, I'll share a prayer. And if you want to pray it with me, I'd love, I'd love it if you would. So let's pray.
Jesus, thank you for your love for me. I acknowledge today that I've tried to live my life on my own. I need you in my life. So today I'm choosing to make you Lord of my life. Please forgive my past and help me to say yes to you today and forever. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I would love to chat with you after service and just talk to you more about what that means, what that looks like in your life. Um, We're going to sing one last song, and then we'll be dismissed.